Good morning. It's Monday, September 13th. I'm Duarte Geraldino. And I'm Shamita Basu. This is Apple News Today. Each morning, hear about some of the most fascinating stories in the news and how the world's best journalists are covering them. When it comes to getting people vaccinated, the U.S. is near the bottom of the list of the wealthiest democracies. President Biden, he's trying to use the power of the federal government to get holdouts to roll up their sleeves. He issued a broad vaccine mandate last week that's likely going to affect about 100 million U.S. workers. But people are finding ways to push back. A growing number of Americans are trying to get a pass by claiming COVID vaccinations are against their faith. CBS News points out there's no major religious denomination in the U.S. that opposes vaccinations entirely. But individuals can still claim that getting the vaccine is against their personal religious beliefs. Under the Americans with Disabilities Act and Title VII of the Civil Rights Act, employers must give exemptions to people with, quote, sincerely held religious beliefs. Now, in the past, employers mostly gave people the benefit of the doubt. They were willing to grant workers religious exemptions for things like holidays. But this time around, the stakes are much higher. The Delta variant is spreading across America. Some companies are asking for follow-up documentation, like a letter from a religious leader. Just saying you believe in God, it's not going to cut it anymore. Labor attorneys told CBS this puts employers in a tricky position. How do you decide whether someone has a sincere religious belief? And there are signs that some companies might grant exemptions, but won't allow you to keep working if you're unvaccinated. United Airlines recently made headlines for this. It denied several employees' requests for religious exemptions, and it said any employees who do get approved for exemptions will be put on unpaid leave starting in October until the pandemic meaningfully subsides. The Dixie Fire is expected to become the largest single fire in California's history. It's burned up close to a million acres of land. Climate change and wildfires are a growing threat to the state, and experts are getting creative with new tools to understand how they move. They're turning to the same computer modeling used in professional sports. They call it Moneyball for fire. Essentially, they're using data-driven models, just like in that book about how the Oakland Athletics baseball team pioneered the use of data over intuition. The Wall Street Journal reports, these computer programs, grounded in sports analytics, can give firefighters unique insight. They factor in way more things than past models, like moisture levels, vegetation, and where a fire started. Now firefighters can make decisions in real time with much more detailed information. Even with these new sophisticated models, this year's fire season is giving experts and firefighters a really hard time. One California state fire behavior analyst told the journal, fires are outpacing the ability of analysts to model current conditions. Recent blazes seem like they're able to spread and change direction suddenly. They're moving in extreme and unpredictable ways. Now, this doesn't mean these sports-inspired models are not worth using. Recently, experts were able to look at the Lake Tahoe Basin and predict flames could move into the valley below. Firefighters used that information to preemptively position crews in helicopters so that they could stop smaller fires from burning homes in this area. 
So far this year, Moneyball models have been used to fight more than 90 fires. For decades, there was a common practice where local governments would decide to put things like highways, power plants, oil refineries, and landfills next to communities of color. This practice is so common, researchers have a name for places like this, sacrifice communities. That's what happened to North Charleston, South Carolina. In the 1950s, cities across America used the Federal Aid Highway Act to build major roads that often cut off or divided existing black communities. North Charleston used eminent domain to build Interstate 26 through its majority black neighborhoods. The first time the highway was built, hundreds of people were removed from dozens of homes and businesses that were destroyed. That's Daryl Fears. He's an environmental justice reporter for The Washington Post. And according to his reporting, this type of displacement is not just a thing of the past. The few people who managed to stay in this once predominantly black enclave are now preparing for another highway expansion. The construction of U.S. highways destroyed communities of color all across the USA. And it was done in the name of urban renewal. Today's proposal would widen a freeway interchange and demolish or force about 100 homes and businesses to relocate. Fears describes how life changed in this neighborhood the first time it became a sacrifice community. So there was this close-knit community. And when the freeway came and basically divided Highland Terrace and Liberty Park by a road you can no longer cross, it basically devastated those communities. It lowered property values. People were relocated. Friends were separated forever. It was devastating to those communities. There were also environmental consequences. People in North Charleston had to deal with vehicle pollution from the highways, noise pollution too. And Fear says highway projects like these have a domino effect. Once you build a highway anywhere through any community, it necessitates that the people affected the first time will be affected again because generally places grow because of highways. The $1.2 trillion infrastructure bill that's waiting for a House vote, it could start to make amends with affected communities of color. But even if this legislation becomes law, it's hard to reverse decades of discriminatory policies. Does it drive you crazy when you see someone fidgeting? You know, if someone's tapping their foot or twirling their hair or smacking their gum. There's a name for what you're feeling, and new research says it's actually pretty common. The Miami Herald is reporting on a new study of what's called misokinesia. It literally means the hatred of movements. Psychologists define it as a strong negative emotional response to someone's little repetitive movements. This is a first-of-its-kind study on this condition. Scientists studied about 4,000 people in Canada, and they found one in three just can't stand to see others jerking around, you know, fidgeting. The senior researcher said he decided to study this after a romantic partner complained about his fidgeting. She said it was stressing her out. And his research supports this idea that watching someone else fidget can make you anxious, too. 
Next, the authors want to move on to other questions, like whether there's a genetic explanation for why some people feel this way. You can find all these stories and more in the Apple News app. And while you're in the app, keep listening to hear narrated articles from our News Plus partners. We'll talk to you again tomorrow.